Just say, hey, God, you're in control. If you whine and you cry and you try to defend yourself, you're not going to get anything except frustrated. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who try to defend themselves and they get so frustrated because they work themselves into a corner that they can't get out of. And pride is the thing that allows them to see that it's really, well, hey, it's on you. But if you just let go and say, hey, I'm in the middle of this real difficulty, and you just say, Lord, you handle it for me. If I'm yours, then take care of it. life, things don't always go as planned. You can try to do everything right, and still people will betray you. Life will fall apart, and you'll likely stumble and have to reap the consequences of your sin. This isn't meant to discourage you. On the other hand, Pastor Mark intends to encourage you with the truth that will never change. God is for you, and He's working your steps out well in advance. He knows where you've been, and He still wants to use you to do great things for the kingdom. You don't need to strive to defend yourself to a world that just doesn't understand. Instead, let go and let God work it all out in His perfect timing. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 with today's edition of Come Alive. Probably you guys will be like, man, don't come visit me in the hospital. And prayed for this person in Albuquerque and they died. And I was like, great, what was that for, Lord? I mean, like, why? I remember I went back, I was bummed out. They didn't die right there while I was praying for them, thank God. I mean, <laughs> I've been like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do that. I should just become a truck driver or something, I don't know quit praying for people and start hauling stuff and making myself useful. But I remember I went back and I get back to the church and I'm walking in and I went to go sign off on my little hospital visit card. And they said, hey, Mark. I said, yeah. And they said, hey, you know that lady you went to go pray for? I said, yeah. I said, she just passed away. And I was all like, and I thought it was a joke. So I'm giggling. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And they're like, no, seriously. And then later on, Skip calls me and says, hey, bro. You know, that family just wants to say thank you for you going there and hanging out with that lady and praying for her and bringing her. I brought her a little Bible and um, all this stuff. And I was like, she really died? And I remember I walked away. He goes, what's wrong? I was like, dude, that's horrible. And I started questioning, was I really into it? I mean, Lord, did, did I believe in what I was praying or did I just mumble some words? And I remember I just sat in the chair and I started thinking, can I remember the prayer? And he was like, are you okay? I was like, man, could it have been my fault? And he's like, no. He's like, you know, what'd you pray? And so I told him. And he goes, well, number one good thing is you remember the prayer. So it wasn't just a bunch of empty words. I was like thinking to myself, oh, praise God, maybe I'll pass this class next, you know. And, and then he said, but the great thing is, is you prayed for healing, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, the Lord healed her and took her. And I never thought of that being healing. That she'll never suffer pain anymore. That she'll never cry. She'll never hurt. She'll never have cancer. The Lord healed her and gave her a brand new body. She's probably up there jumping around with brand new knees because I remember she had told me she had both knees replaced and this hip and, and just, you know, from the drive from the hospital, she was gone. And so, you know, start by praying. Some of you are probably like, oh, Mark, we're not going to let you pray for us. So, but hey, let somebody else pray for you. See what happens. 
So I'm kidding. But, you know, it's, it's not that my prayer is more special than anyone else's. Well, we can pray for one another. It's the same God. It's God. It's not magic words. And so what we need to do is start praying for the person next to you, whether it's your spouse. You know you're responsible for all the people in this room. As Christians, we're responsible to pray and lift them up. See, they don't stop because it isn't happening. Fair-weather friends stop when the going gets tough, but a foul-weather friend says, hey, I'm here, man. No matter how tough it gets, I'm going to be with you, and if I have to, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to carry you through this with whether you want to go or not. I've had to tell some of my friends that. Bro, you know what? I know you don't want to finish strong, but whatever I can do, I'm going to try to do my best to help you finish strong. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to call you every day. I'm going to read scriptures to you every day. I'm going to send you scriptures. And until you turn off your phone or change your number, that's what I'm going to do. So what else does God give David? Look at verse 22. Verse 22 says, So David said to Ittai, Go and cross over. Then Ittai to Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice. And all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron. And all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. And there was Zadok also. And all the Levites with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God. And Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. And then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. And if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. So what else does God give David? He gives him a foul weather friend and God graces David with a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. If you're taking notes, write a surrendered heart. In the times of trials, some people find it very easy to get mad at God and want to shut him out. Oftentimes I've heard people say, well, you know, it just didn't work out. I was angry. I'm mad, blah, blah, blah. And they leave and they're just like, I'm done with God. And so I often think, really? Like, you're a threat to God. Like, do you think he's up there going, oh, no, 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 please don't. I'm sorry. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll make it your way. No, he's not. He's God. It's his way, not my way. It's his way. And so a lot of people find it very easy to get mad at God, and they want to kind of just shut him out. Like, I want to have nothing to do with God anymore. I'm mad at him. And yet God says, well, I'm going to have a lot to do with you because I'm going to do stuff around you and through the people that you're hanging around, and you're going to see me. So what David says is, God, I'm about to cross over. I'm about to go to the other side. And if you want, I'm cool. And if you bring me back, I'm cool with that too. And so if my career is over, God, then let my career be over. If my career as king is finished at this point in time, I'm good with that. And if you want me to come back to that seat in that place, I'm good with that. See, he says, I know you're in control. And whatever you choose is best for me. I will know it's best for me. And we as Christians need to get that through our head sometimes. Is No matter, we might try to manipulate a situation. And we might actually get our way. And God is a gentleman. He says, okay, cool, go ahead. Do what you need to do. I'll let you do this. I'll allow this to happen in your life. But when it all blows apart, remember, it was your fault. Hey, David, how about this? You multiplied wives. You weren't supposed to. Good job on not the horses. But the wives, oh, that was big trouble. And so now you're going to, he doesn't blame God. But what if he did? God, how could you let that happen? 
Why would God, you know, I've actually had it said to me before by somebody, why would God allow me to do that dumb thing? I was like, really? Did I think I was the guy that you talked to before you did that dumb thing? And I said, you know, here in the Bible it says don't do it, and I'm telling you not to do it as your friend. I can't force you not to do it. But you said you were going to do it anyway, and you did it, and now you're really, that's how your mind works? I mean, you're an intelligent human being. You can think, and this is the way you think things through, that it's God's fault that you chose? Come on. Well, yeah, I really, I'm just going to be an atheist, and I hate God. I said, well, I think you're trying to shock me, and you're not. So what I'll do now is I'll just get up, and I'll leave you, and you can hang out here at this McDonald's playhouse all you want. And hate God all you want. And you know what? I'll just drive down the road and ask the Lord to forgive you. A couple weeks later, a guy called and told me how foolish he was. And how he was tired of eating crow. And I was like, well, you know, quit saying foolish things. Quit doing foolish things. Sometimes we just have to think things through. So, again, when was the last time you found yourself in a trial? And you said, God, whatever you want. When was the last time you were in that really tough place in life and you were like, God, whatever you want is what I want? Can we say that? Have you ever said that and really meant it? And before you think about saying that and declaring that, be careful because what may happen next may blow you away. Some of us are even afraid to say those things. But I would say, I would challenge you to say it and see what happens. Not because I like to watch people suffer. But sometimes there is a little bit of suffering that takes place before the great thing happens. The circumstance you're in couldn't possibly get worse, could it? Oh, yeah. It could get worse. See, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane did the same thing, right? Hey, God, if there's another way, let this cup be removed from me. But not my will be done, but your will be done. I'm willing to go to the cross to suffer for that that guy, Mark. Though it wasn't really my fault, I'm willing to do that. And so he did it in all our lives. In a trial or a tribulation, some will walk away. And I've even heard, well, if if I come back, now I'll just be a hypocrite. Right? They walk away from the Lord. They turn their back on everything. And then you talk to them and you say, yeah, you know, I'll just feel like a really huge hypocrite if I come back to church. And I always stop them. I'm saying, like, have you listened to what you just said? You turned your back on God. So that meant you already are a hypocrite. You would stop being a hypocrite if you came back. But we're all hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. We've all said, oh, I'll be there, and we didn't show up. We've all said things and made promises that we didn't keep. But the great thing is, is we're forgiven. See, the phrase, if I come back, shows you we're once there, so you've already been and are a hypocrite. Big deal. It's not that big of a deal. Just come back. So just know and accept that God is in control. That's all we need to do. It's pretty simple. Is just to surrender or just say, hey, God, you're in control. If you whine and you cry and you try to defend yourself, you're not going to get anything except frustrated. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who try to defend themselves and they get so frustrated because they work themselves into a corner that they can't get out of. And pride is the thing that allows them to see that it's really, well, hey, it's on you. But if you just let go and say, hey, I'm in the middle of this real difficulty, and you just say, Lord, you handle it for me. If I'm yours, then take care of it. That's what I do at this church. 
as a leadership, we, that's what we do at this church. It's like, hey, Lord, you know what? Here it is. Here's the situation. Here's the problem. Oh, it's yours. I don't have to sweat it. I might have to fill out paperwork and write a check, but I don't have to worry about it. Right now, we're in the middle with the city, and they're like, well, you need a special use permit, and however many parking spaces or however many chairs you're allowed to have. And I'm like, well, let me ask you a question. So if I have 20 chairs, only 20 cars are allowed to be in the parking lot. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what happens if six people ride in one car? Do I need six more parking spaces just in case a car comes out of their pocket? And the lady stopped and she goes, that is kind of silly, isn't it? I was like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I was like, plus, I was like, what if we have 38-year-olds and they don't drive? Should we have parking spaces for them for their bicycle? Do we need a bike rack? I mean, I can get a bike rack. And she just kind of stopped and looked and she goes, well, we never thought about that. I was like, I'm just trying to figure out, I'm just trying to put two and two together and it's not making four for me according to your math. I just need some help. She goes, well, how many parking spaces do you have? And I told her, I said, I think we have 22 including the handicap. And she goes, oh, you got handicap parking places. And I was like, doesn't every place? And she goes, well, you can't count those. Those belong to the city. And I'm like, okay. So now we're back to 20. And I was like, as far as I know, my math works. How about yours? Are we at the same number? And she's like, yeah. And I said, but what if there's a field that we could use for overflow? She's like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, you don't know. When you know. And she goes, okay. And so I write this check. And she goes, it'll be 30 to 60 days. I go, you guys gave me 10 days? And now we're doing 30 to 60? I was like, why? I was like, your time doesn't even match up. And I mean, she was a nice lady. I was just laughing. I was just like, you, you know, it's like I said, politics. First word, poly, many, ticks, blood-sucking leeches. So, verse 27. It says, then the king also said to Zadok, the priest, you are not a seer. Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore, Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. Okay, so here's what's going on. David's crossing over. He's going to the other side. He's got a foul-weather friend. We see that his heart's completely surrendered. And so now what's happening is God wants these guys, Zadok and his son, in a place of peace, interceding. If you're taking notes, you can write for your third point, intercessor. Intercessor. He wants these guys interceding for David. And what I mean by that is intercessory prayer, somebody that stands in the gap, somebody that stands and kind of is like what Jesus does for us. It says he intercedes for you and I. He's holding the hand of God. He's holding the hand of man. He stands in the middle. He bridges the gap. And you and I should be those kind of people. We should intercede for one another. That's why it's important that we pray for one another. Because sometimes we just see somebody that's downtrodden or sad or hurt. And that's why I always pray with our leadership, Lord, give us the eyes to see like you see. Let us see the hurt, the pain, the happiness, the joy, whatever it is, and let us be able to pray. Because you could even pray, well, why would a happy person need prayer? That that happiness would continue. Who wants to be sad all the time? Or at all? And so here he provides a place of peace interceding. God gives David a friend, a surrendered heart, and an intercessor. So David brings his own calamity upon himself, yet... Yet, an amazing God provides comfort in the situation. Hey, yeah, you brought this on, but let me give you some comfort in your situation. You may wonder, why is the need for an intercessor so great? 
Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Is God for David right now? Yeah. God's for David right now. Even though the son who is treasonous and a friend that's a turncoat and a nation that's against him, God is still for him making things work for the good. He's given him a surrendered heart. Romans 34, a little further down from Romans 8.31, tells us that Christ Jesus makes intercession for us. And it goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate you and I from the love of Christ? See, life might feel horrible. It might, you might think that God's condemning you. But in reality, he's counseling you, not condemning you. It's not punishment, it's purification. And so here is what happens. And you're saying, we need to ask what you're showing me, not why. God, what are you showing me? Not why is this happening? What are you teaching me? We learned yesterday at the men's conference, and it's something that I've always known, and it was really illustrated well when somebody said, when do you prepare for a marathon? The day of the marathon or beforehand? Simple answer. You train beforehand. And it's the same thing in Christianity and our walk in life is, when do we train for the calamities that are about to happen? Well, we start today. You see that the situation you're in today might be preparing you for something later on. It might be working out for your best to pay attention and see how God's working in your life today and know that. And not just be like, oh, it was another dull day. Well, what did you learn from this day? What does first grade do to prepare a kid in first grade? Prepares them for second grade. And second grade hopefully prepares them for third grade. And we know by the time they get to high school, they're not prepared for anything because they lose track. But seriously... It does. It prepares us to move on. Each grade prepares us for the next grade, for the next level, for the next situation. And so life might be horrible or feel horrible, and you might think that God's condemning you, but in reality, he's really counseling you. See, God wants you and I to change. He wants you and I to grow. And this is why. Because it's a test of your faith. It's a test of your faith. If you're in God, there's no condemnation. There may be conviction, or a time of change, but there's no condemnation. Conviction is not condemnation. And so David gets to see God's hand all over him in this trial. So David gets a friend. He gets a surrendered heart, an intercessor. And now look at verse 30. Verse 30 says, So David went up by ascent of the Mount of Olives, and he wept as he went up. And he and his head covered, he went barefoot, And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. And then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he had worshipped God, there was Hushai, the archite, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. So here, Ahithophel was one of David's counselors, one of his friends. It was like a good buddy of his. It was David's best friend. He doesn't wish bad on him. This is kind of cool. He doesn't wish bad on him. He just wishes that his counsel would seem or be foolish. Pick up in verse 33. So David said to him, if you go on with me, then you will become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and you say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant, then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, with you there? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell Zadok and Abiathar, the priests. 
Indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came to Jerusalem. So what's going on here? Well, check it out. I love espionage movies also. Anybody like a good, the, the born identity, the whole born thing, man. If there was a born marathon, I'm in front of the TV. Forget the kids and the wife. They're playing neglect at that time. It's me, Popcorn, and Jason Bourne. I love those shows. My wife does too, so the kids are on their own at that point. They're out robbing liquor stores and doing whatever they want to do. But we're watching the movie. I love spy movies. Anybody ever see that whole series, Alias? I think Jess and I watched it in like a week. It was like five years worth of movies, and we just sat up all night. I mean, we were just like, oh, wow. Who are you? And, you know, I forgot she was sitting next to me. You get so into those shows. So what does God do? God sends David a spy. Dun, dun, dun. Like, this is like so awesome. I'm like, yeah, it's a spy. He's got, it couldn't be bad from this point on or even boring. We got a spy in the midst. And so this guy's got his black robe and I don't know. It'd be weird to have a spy in a black robe. They just look better in tights. So here, you know, this guy shows up. So David has a friend, a surrendered heart, an intercessor, and a secret agent. He's got himself the Jewish 007. And so this mountain is where David wrote Psalm 3. Turn to Psalm 3 with me real quick and let's take a look at that. And you'll see some amazing stuff here. Psalm 3 says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me and many are they who say of me there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice. And he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Now, man, that's a crazy prayer. Pray that for somebody that messes with you. Lord, break their cheekbones and knock out their teeth. Just punch them in the face, Lord. Biblical. I don't know if I'd recommend it. But see, he's just prayed for help. And by the grace of God, this guy shows up. The spy. He shows up. And this guy's going to feed David the inside scoop. He's going to be giving him the intelligence of what's going on with his son Absalom. The Absalom's court will have a spy in it. And so did Ahithophel's counsel turn to foolishness? Well, we'll have to come back to that next. As every good spy movie has a cliffhanger at the end. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new editions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. 
If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.